attention architects, and creative minds. Get ready to supercharge your brand with Build Your Brand, the podcast that's unlocking the secrets of branding success for creatives. Hey there, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my friend, architect marketing expert, Jeff Eccles at Build Your Brand Podcast, where he explores the captivating stories of the world's top brands and transforms their lessons into powerful moves for small firm architects and creatives like you. In season one, Jeff shares the thrilling tale of Southwest Airlines, where he dissects their journey to the summit and distills it into strategies tailor-made for you. It's important to keep in mind that companies like Southwest compete in the real world, just like you, and face real-world challenges, just like you. You might be surprised at how similar those challenges are to the struggles that you grapple with on a day-to-day basis. Don't miss out on your blueprint for success. Subscribe, tune in, and let's build your brand together. You may have noticed that the very best brands in the world are also known for having somewhat unique corporate cultures. That's often the glue that holds everything together when they encounter those rough spots. We don't do it because it inconveniences the passengers to whom we are primarily dedicated, the short haul uh, frequent flyer. Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Your Brand today. Remember, no matter the size, the journey's the same. Your brand's journey to the top starts here. All right, Entree Architect community, it's time for Context and Clarity Live, where we spend an hour every Thursday afternoon searching for clarity around the things that matter most to you the architect. And it doesn't matter if you're the employee of a firm or if you own your own firm. Maybe you dream of starting your own thing. Maybe you've even said that 2021's my year and you're on the runway to starting your own thing. Or maybe you have had a firm for a year or 10 years or 20 years and you're starting to rethink or reimagine what that firm could or maybe even should be. All of the topics that we cover fall under the broad umbrella of the business of architecture and they're all the need-to-know topics for the success of architects just like you. If we've never met before, my name is Jeff Eccles, and what you're about to listen to is the audio recording of a conversation that my co-host Catherine McPhail and I had last week with our Context and Clarity guest. Every week, we have a new guest and a new topic, so let's jump right into the conversation. All right, Entree Architect community, it's 4 p.m. Eastern, which means it's time for the Entree Architect. Context and Clarity live conversation for Thursday, November 4th, 2021. Thanks for joining us today. As you get here, say hi. We have a, uh, a, a announcement to make, I suppose. We are now simulcast. We're now streaming live to a new spot. We are live to the Entree Architect Community Facebook group. We are live to the Entree Architect YouTube channel. We're live to the Entree Architect Twitch stream. Also to LinkedIn, and then as a special edition today, brand new, we're live to Twitter. So we'll see what happens. If you're out there on Twitter, say hi. Uh, and from which whichever platform you're joining from, I see Christian Nielsen from Mythica, New York, over there on Facebook, and Nicole from Arizona on Twitch. And it uh, looks like Scott, he said the tide is in in San Francisco. He's also on Twitch. And we've got a LinkedIn user. Good morning, LinkedIn user. Unfortunately, your name and... and um, 
and likeness is not showing up for us here. But we have but, a clue uh, because uh, LinkedIn user says good morning. Yeah. So I'm guessing maybe so, west coast of the U.S. Maybe uh, Australia. Hans, welcome Australia. back from Portland, Maine. Could could be Australia. Yeah. Absolutely could be. That actually makes a lot more sense, doesn't it? It might Almost be Audrey from Australia. Way. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Hans is joining us from Portland, Maine. Brian McCartney, just a stone's throw away from me, at least, in Ohio. Hi, Brian. David Robertson, welcome back from Atlanta. And uh, that urban collab architecture must be Kurt in Flint, Michigan. Glad to have all of you and anybody else that's joining us from wherever in the world and whichever platform you're on right now. Say hi when you get here. Let us know that you're here. And also let us know where in the world you are. It's always fun to see how far these spread. If you've never joined us before, it is not at all unusual for us to have uh, people from the community joining us from all over the world in real time, from the East Coast to the West Coast of the U.S., over to the U.K., uh, down in Ghana and Nigeria, sometimes over to the Philippines, often to uh, Australia and maybe even New Zealand. So it is fun to see where in the world everybody is. So let us know when you get here. Caitlin, we'll see you over there uh, as well on Facebook. Glad to have you. And for anybody, I, have, I don't think I've seen one yet, but for anybody that joins us from Facebook, if you show up as Facebook user, um, like LinkedIn user does here, you can change that. You can let your name and likeness escape from Facebook. It's just a privacy policy setting. You can go to chat.restream.io slash FB. The URL is down the lot the lower left corner of your screen right now. So chat.restream.io slash FB, as in Facebook. My guess is you could do the same if you do slash LI, but I don't know that for sure. I'm just making a guess there I think uh, for you, the LinkedIn users. That's a good guess. That's a good guess, Jeff. I think LinkedIn users should try it. Tell us before. <laughs> you should try it and see see what happens. Uh, hopefully, you don't end up at a site that uh, was not safe for work by typing that in there. But uh, but welcome to everybody, and uh, also to everybody that's joining us from the future on the podcast version of this. Thanks for uh, listening in on the Context and Clarity podcast. Uh, that podcast version of these LinkedIn or these Context and Clarity live conversations comes out every Monday at noon Eastern. And then we have a special episode that comes out Tuesdays at noon Eastern. We call that Context and Clarity Backstage, where Catherine and I go backstage with a mystery guest from the community. And we break down this conversation that we're about to have. We talk about our biggest takeaways and applications that we've found from the conversation. How can I apply what I heard in this conversation today to my business, to what I do? So that's a, that's a, uh, a fun version as well. So Mondays, the uh, Context and Clarity Live comes out. Tuesday, Context and Clarity Backstage comes out uh, wherever you consume podcasts. It's everywhere. It's all over the internet. So look for those. Barry, we see you over there on in uh, from Scotland on LinkedIn. And our LinkedIn user says, mm. greetings from Sweden. All right. Yeah, I was <laughs> totally wrong. It's not Australia. <laughs> it, 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 was a, it was a test. It was a trick. Glad to... Uh, Glad to have uh, have you joining us from Sweden as well. And David, welcome from Oakland and everybody else. Catherine, how are you today? I am great. Thanks for asking. You know, I, I, I found out they're looking for a local inspector here in my town, building inspector. Yeah. yeah. So what are you going to do about that? Probably not take the job, but I thought about it for a little while this morning. So for a little <laughs> while, I was a building inspector, but now I'm back to this. You're going to put your cape on and go out to the job sites and... 
make sure everybody's following the laws and oh, rules so tempting. of so tempting. Massachusetts and Boston. Yeah, I would love to, but I don't know. I don't, I'm still, still going to wear the cape, but I, I, I don't know. Anyway, so that was fun to dream about today, but so that put me in a good mood. Well, that's good. Yeah. I think we would probably have to change your title at that point. It would be Inspector. I Catherine. know. That would be, that has a ring to it, but. It'd be don't like worry, don't worry. Like I'm not going Holmes, I think. Okay. <laughs> I would love to. I wanted to be a detective when I was a kid, actually. <laughs> well, the opportunity's out late. there. Yep. We'll, we'll check in next week for an update on, on the decision making process there. All right. I'll let you know how it goes. Okay. Yeah. Well, in the meantime, we probably ought to bring our guest out of the green room. Uh, there's been a lot of a lot of buildup uh, as we have uh, made it through the week towards Thursday. For those of you that don't know, Context and Clarity is a thing that we do every weekday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern. Also, every weekday morning on the Clubhouse app, we have our half-hour coffee talks, and we shape the week around the guest that's backstage right now, our Context and Clarity live guest. Our theme for this week is video, and you're going to find out why here in just a minute. But um, we've been talking about video all week. Uh, two days we talked about basically how-to video, video for architects. What would you record? Where would you post it? What are your best tips, tricks, techniques, equipment, etc.? cetera? Uh, and then two days this week, we're talking about either the architect or architecture as characters. So we've talked about fictional characters. We're going to talk about architecture as character tomorrow. But um, we've been talking all week about video. Uh, how to do it, and also the um, one really important thing I think about all of this is how how video or or how these characters, I guess, in the specifics of the word we've been talking about, how they shape the public perception of architects and architecture. So we might get into that here in this conversation today. But in order to do that, I've got to introduce our guest. So our guest today is a storyteller and a visionary. He's trained as an architect and now the videographer for architects. He's the founder of Bread Trucks Film, Bread Truck Films, and the producer of many documentaries and films for architects, developers, and communities. Jeff Durkin, welcome to Context and Clarity Live. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> there he is. He's got the gear. Hi. He's got his, got his props. I did not see that coming. Surprise. <laughs> Love it. I love it. Welcome. Thanks for bringing uh, bringing the equipment along with you. Great yeah, you. well, it's right here in the office, right next to me, so easy to grab. Awesome. Is that is that yours? That is mine. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's kind of some you know architects like technology and cameras and you yeah. know innovative tools. Um, you know, and this is what I use here: Canon C five hundred full frame video camera Mark II. Um, it's beautiful for architecture. It's got that wide format. So you can film buildings with sky. You can show things with negative space around them. It's good for documentary with audio built in. You can follow mm. an architect around and it's got a microphone on top. Uh, shoot 6K, super high resolution, slow motion, all the stuff that you want to tell a really compelling story. Wow. So you just, you just talked like an architect. So, <laughs> how, how do you know so much about what architects do and what architects want? Well, I used to be one. Um, my whole life, I wanted to be an architect. I grew up in the Bay Area, right outside San Francisco, in San Jose. And 
as a young child, you grow up, you're going to San Francisco, you're seeing the Palace of Fine Arts, the Golden Gate Bridge, the cable cars. The city is so designed. All the military, you know, fortresses and outposts that shape the city. So it just really influenced me that, hey, architecture is something you should think about as you get older. It's something that, that is a job. So I loved it. And, you know, then I, I graduated and went to Berkeley. So you see Berkeley's got a really good architecture program. It's very focused on sustainability and environmental design. And started to open my door to my mind to think about what architecture can do for the planet, how, you know, it can, it can be more responsible, how it can help the communities and stuff of that um, nature. But for an elective, my final year, I just threw out a, that threw a rock out and took a film class. I just needed to satisfy something before I left. And I'd always been into photography. I've taken photography all through Berkeley four years. So I, I took this film class and said, holy smokes, this is even more exciting than building a model and designing a building. Because now you have all these other art forms like fashion and lighting and theater. You know, they call cinema the mother of all art forms because it combines everything. Photography, writing you know, makeup, stage. So I said, wow, this is like architecture. And then he add a few other things on music, right? Music. So I said, this is awesome. So I was, I was educated as an architect and went right to Los Angeles. I got into the film industry and worked there for five years. Wow. Lighting, props, art department, anything I can. I was just hungry to learn. I kind of think of it as a postgraduate degree. That's why I left the Bay Area because they didn't have a big film industry that I can learn from. LA was the best. Um, so I did that, and then I actually, there was a kind of a union strike thing going on for a little bit as, right. a, as, a, young, as a young production assistant. I got a job at an architecture firm um, and started to get back into architecture. So then I rode that for another five years. Um, and then it kind of accumulated, it kind of all culminated when, you know, 2008, Great Recession, architecture firms were kind of shutting down. Video production was picking up, so then I got back into it. But now, not with Hollywood film and television, not with mainstream stuff, but documentary. Stuff I could do myself, stuff I can do on a smaller scale, and just naturally, architects were my first clients. I had this hybrid, checkered past, I call it, going back and forth between these two industries. And it just, I actually resisted working with architects at first, because filmmaking, you know, you think of characters and drama, special effects, it's like pretty exciting. So I said, I don't want to do that, I don't want to film a building, you know, I want to go film a car chase, or, you know, do a, a story about someone going through something emotionally, you know, it's really compelling stuff. Um, but then the architects kept kept on kept on coming back, saying, Jeff, we love your work, you can film that, you can photograph that, and I said, okay, sure. You know, let's do it. And I started to kind of blend. I started to interview the people that lived in the buildings. Like, you know, let's let's interview a resident that lives in this. In this. Instead of just talking to the architect, let's do that. Or let's interview, you know, somebody who helped this project come to fruition that isn't on the design side. And I just got really interested in those human stories. So I kind of was capturing what I liked in, in the cinema mixed with the beautiful sex of architecture. And I kind of merged myself into the world's first and only architectural filmmaker. That that was one place I was hoping you were going to go because before we before we hit go live, basically, you know, the part that all of you in the audience don't don't get to hear is us having the conversation. And you talked about being possibly the one and one and only architectural uh, videographer 
and you you had a you had a name for it, didn't you? Um, well, I compared myself to Julia Schulman, and yeah. you guys know Julia Schulman kind of popularized architectural photography before the 1960s. Cameras weren't really around until chip lenses weren't around. Architects, were, I don't know, were they, oh, were they even documenting their work? I guess they were if they were famous, but if they're just a regular architect. Probably weren't even really documenting it, probably had your drawings. So he started using photography to shift lenses, studying light, studying shadow, and putting people in his, his photos. And that really brought modern architecture, especially in Los Angeles, you know, to the world, where it could be printed and viewed and cropped and framed. Wow, I want that. You know, clients would say, I want that. I want that guy to design my school. Look at those photos. And I can't do the same thing with video now, you know, kind of letting, bringing in a new communication form and telling stories in a way that just wasn't really possible. I mean, 10 years ago, you'd have to hire a big production company, super expensive. They didn't know anything about design or architecture. They'd probably be doing like big industrial commercials. Um, so I kind of, I've kind of blended it together, brought it all together into a, you know, a neat little process. I'm fascinated by, I mean, you've mentioned story and storytelling several times already in this conversation, and I'm fascinated by that aspect of it, uh, especially because you have something, you have a statement on your website about um, your films telling the story of design's impact on a community or something similar to that. And, And you just mentioned filming people that live in the building or work in the building. Um, What is it? What is it like to work with an architect? And we've talked throughout the week that we just talked to Jonathan Siegel two weeks ago on Context and Clarity Live. Um, so two weeks ago, he was in, in the chair you're in now, not literally. Nice. But um, but what is it like to work with an architect and say, you know what, we're going to tell the story of this project. Do you find much resistance to that or, or architects embracing that? Do they understand the storytelling aspect of your work? You know, I've been at it about 13 years now, Jeff, and storytelling has evolved so fast over the last few years. Sure, yeah. At the beginning, people would be happy just if a guy was riding a bike through, you know, from the building, you had motion. That was the big thing, motion, because everyone had photography. So you're not used to seeing the clouds moving, the, the sun popping up so it's like wow look at this guy so and you know as we've evolved over the last five years six years most architects are aware of good storytelling and they may not know how to do it they may not know what is needed in a construction or technical sense but i think everyone who's involved in the media realizes i need to make this interesting to capture people's attention the marketing directors and the firms who i usually work with really get it so I usually don't have to convince an architect, hey, you know, let's tell this big old story. Usually the marketing director understands, hey, we need this is a great story. And a lot of times there is. Maybe it's affordable housing in San Francisco. And you're solving this social problem. Maybe it's a new school up in Santa Barbara that uses nature as a way to educate students. So a lot of times they realize that there's something special there and they want to communicate it. And then it's up to me now to help them shape it into something cinematic, filmable, something you can edit, what are the layers of the story. So, no, there hasn't been much resistance. Most of the people I work with are pretty into it. That's why they that's why they hire me. Or they see one of my videos and go, oh, I want something like that. That's sure, yeah. that's that's pretty typical. I want yeah. something you did for Jonathan. I want to do that for my company. Yeah. 
Yeah, that 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 makes a lot of sense. It, it um, you know, I guess that's your ideal client, right? Is the people that are already going to embrace that? Is the process or or so you started out? You know, you went to architecture school, as you said. You've worked in architecture firms. You've worked in film. Gone back and forth in your checkered past. Is the is the process of coming up with the story, telling the story, uh, is it comparable to the design process in the architecture office, or what? Are, what are the uh, compare and contrast those two things? If you sure. Can. Well, the starting point is exactly the same. Like when you meet with a client to design their home, it starts with a conversation. What are you looking for? Where's, where's the site? You know, uh, for me, it's what's the length. That's kind of the site. What's the length of the video? We're talking 60 seconds. We're talking four minutes. We're talking 30 minutes for a awards presentation. So that's, so it starts with a conversation like that. Architects generally will go visual then and start doing sketches and plans. Well, filmmakers go with text and write a script. And that's what I do. So that's the big thing I had to learn really that was a lot different than architecture is how to write, write an idea that's going to be visual in a script format. Right. Here's the beginning. Here's the middle. Here's the end. Here's the people we want to talk. Here's the talking points. So I write a script out that kind of frames the story and the talking points. Most of these are only three minutes. They're short, so we can't cram in the five years of pain and suffering you just went through <laughs> to get this new project built. You know, we yeah. just try to find the two or three things that are the most um, compelling and engaging about it, and, and package that into a beginning, middle, and end. So. Once I write the script, then I can sketch out and do drawings of some compositions or some framing. I may go on a scout, take some scout photos, and that's very architectural. That's very similar to the architectural process, sketching, photography, photographing the site, visualizing things. Um, and then other components that I bring in, you know, filmmaking has a big audio component. It's just not visual. So you're thinking about music. You're thinking about the voices. You're thinking about natural sound. So I, I plan a little bit of that out ahead of time, too. And that's something that's very, very true to the film world and architecture world. They're not thinking about audio is not, you know, building doesn't have a soundtrack or anything like that. So, so yeah, it starts the same. It goes different. And then it comes together the same a little bit more. And then the actual process is a... Um, the actual process is quite different. Most of these films are done very fast. They're done in like, you know, a few weeks. Or a building can take three years, four years. Right. So that part's a lot different. So we we have a question from um, Isra. Thanks. Um, why does someone who's trained as an architect excel in another profession? So we've seen that over, and it seems like over and over again, that maybe people who are trained as architects can also excel at other professions. So and I kind of have a question, too, about most architects seem to love photography and film as well. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, that, that's a great question. When I was in my senior year at Berkeley, we had a career day, and, and they would bring in people from Nike, people from Pixar, people from Lucasfilm, all these different companies around the Bay Area who wanted to hire people with an architecture background. And the, the clearest answer I heard is architecture is a good balance between left brain creativity and ideas and imagination and right brain problem solving understanding budgets timelines and reality so it's one of those professions that combines both of them in a pretty equal way and when you get educated you kind of understand that and that's that's very valuable most of nike's designers in the shoe uh, in their in their shoe department had a degree in architecture even a background in architecture so 
I think it's I think it's because you're well-rounded. You can be creative, but you can also be technical. And a lot of careers don't have both of those. And you know, I think as we all know, architecture is everything. You know, it's how you wake up in the morning. It's commute to work. It's where you get your bagel. It's you know, urban design, planning, landscapes. It's so much of everything that I think you can sprout off into many different fields from it and be successful because architecture is touched and rubbed up against, you know, so many different little fields and industries. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. And, and I, I love that about the architectural education. We end up talking a lot about the future of architecture education. Um, and, and I hope that part is never lost, you know, regardless of whatever the future of education is. And you have a great um, work ethic. If you graduate architecture school, you have an excellent work ethic. And you, if you graduate with good grades, yeah, you, you're pump, pumping out those models at 2 a.m. You're getting those drawings done. You're doing the renderings. I mean, you know, you are doing a heavy workload as a young person. Yeah. And that's valuable. That's very yeah. valuable. You, you've got grit and survival skills. <laughs> <laughs> maybe yeah. maybe bad nutrition and sleep habits but but uh but you've learned to survive um do you have a style well i let the story guide the style so if it's about you know homelessness in san francisco or los angeles then i may go more handheld and it may be a little more looser and fluid because i'm walking around the streets filming people the microphone on my camera be, be a little more documentary like if i'm filming a beautiful custom home in the desert the mountains the landscape around it maybe on a tripod it may be beautifully framed you know it may have a slower pace to the music it may have more atmospheric sounds of nature sounds of the streets and the birds where you know down in an urban environment architecture that's trying to solve problems is all about the people the, the city it's in maybe the neighborhood's going through something and you're very focused on that so it fluctuates depending on the theme and the content but one thing that i always do is i try to film my projects in the way an architect thinks i try to shoot elevations i try to shoot plan shots with a drone i try and shoot detail shots with a, with a special macro lens i have so i can get right into a detail and if i had an x-ray camera i would shoot a section Someone walking through. I haven't figured that part out yet. I need to get an X-ray camera. An X-ray camera. You'd really, yeah, that would be a great invention. We'll start working on that. (laughs) Yeah, or something. They have like, um, they have heat sensor cameras. We can film a person on the other side of a wall walking upstairs. It's kind of a white wall. Hmm. The heat's coming off. I thought that would be a way to show circulation. Yeah, that'd be cool. Interior spaces design. So I always try to communicate in the way an architect thinks. So that part's consistent. The actual, the actual layers on top of that change the story. Yeah, I, I love that. I mean, you're you're obviously. I mean, it's just it just exudes right. I mean, you're in the right place doing videography for architects. You speak the language. You have a passion for it. Um, you you think you think like uh, architects think, and um, uh, so I, I love that about what you do when it comes to the filmmaking, which, you know, like you said, you first film class was your last semester. Um, so you've learned a lot, obviously, since you graduated from, from, uh, Berkeley. Um, so on the film side, who are your inspirations? You know, what I like looking at is I like looking at the early George Lucas, Francis Ford Coppola, like 
connection before Godfather, before Star Wars, before they came, became really big in the Bay Area. And so they and, and so are they. They start out with this kind of run and gun filmmaking. They you know they moved very quick. They didn't have these giant crews. They were trying to capture capture natural light. You know, real people in real places. And they had an actual airstream trailer. They called the Silverfish. And the idea is they would have their gear in there. They would shoot. They would edit. And they would be this mobile production studio that was small. When you make a Hollywood film like, like they've made. There's hundreds of people. It's very slow. You have three or four people just doing makeup. You have another dozen doing camera, another five or six doing lights. So, you know, you don't move fast on a big film set. Not on a Hollywood film set. It's all planned. It's all meticulous. These guys are moving around quick, shooting little things, doing these little films. And that was always inspiring. So when I started my company, Bread Truck Films, they actually gave us a bread truck at the film studio I worked at in, in Hollywood. It had an editing studio and had three people, and we drove around and we'd film establishing shots for Invisible Man or Veronica Mars or the TV show I was working on, or second unit stuff like a like a like a hand double holding a gun, or a body double jumping off a bridge or something. So just that kind of fast pace, always on the move filmmaking that that Lucas and Coppola started a long time ago when they were students from USC and UCLA was a great inspiration to to the production world. And, you know, now as I'm, as I'm, as I'm older and more mature, I mean, they've moved on. They don't shoot like that anymore. They have huge crews, you know, that's what Star Wars is. Giant productions, big blockbusters, brings in millions of billions of dollars worldwide. So they're not doing that anymore. But who I like now, and I just love his style, Christopher Nolan. So, you know, you watch Inception, you watch Tenet, you watch Batman Begins, all of those big, they're huge Hollywood movies. So, it may not, you know, be seen as the, the most creative things because, you know, they're sold in the grocery store to regular suburban families. But his style is so architectural. His framing, you know, the Batman poster is looking down at a city with the, with the Batman logo carved out. You know, you look at Inception, it's all architecture. It's like thinking of a city and creating it at the same time. You watch Tenet, his, his last film. And, you know, it's about inverting time. It's a very architectural concept inverting something, like looking at something and inverting, you know, an architecture. I can't believe, yeah, interstellar. So I'm just putting interstellar in there. You know, it's time, stretching time. It's a very architectural concept. Let's stretch out time and memory. Those are themes that, you know, the biggest architects like Tadao Ando and Zahadi are always, you know, uh, philosophizing about. So I guess, yeah, that's, that's, that's what I really enjoy watching now. And that's where it started. Lucas and Coppola. It's amazing. Um, are, are there are there inspirations outside of people? I, I I said who, and as I said, I thought, well, I might I should have said what. Are there other inspirations that that drive what you do, or is it is it film maker based? I guess. Well, yeah. I mean, if I'm you know filming with a graffiti artist and they're doing a big mural on the side of a building in Hollywood or something, love filming artists. The artists are always kind of part of the mix. So, yeah, we'll film artists and see them paint, see them build sculptures. I mean, they're making a custom fence for this architectural project. Um, artists and street art were big inspirations. I grew up outside San Francisco. We used to go there, there spray cans at night, and go underneath underpasses and creeks and do our murals and stuff. So I always loved street art and graffiti. 
that's like another form of creativity. But, but it's totally in the city. It's totally urban, right? You wouldn't have graffiti and street art without a city. No one's painting on the side of a cow, you know, a mural or something. You know, you got to have an overpass or a building or a dam. It's usually these, these infrastructure. It's just infrastructure that became a camp. So I just love that. I just love that, especially in San Francisco. It's such a great city full of art. Yeah, that's that's very cool. Yeah, I I have not seen a a uh, mural on a cow before, so you've got a it's point. A good there. idea, though. <laughs> I mean, why not? Why haven't we? They would stay still. I mean, you would have to, you know, you'd have to sedate them or something. <laughs> well, I don't know cows very well. They don't seem to go that fast. But what do I know? All right, all right. They can run. Well, someone um, will do it. I'll film it. <laughs> there, All right. There's a challenge for everybody. Uh, speak, speaking of challenges, I mean, you're, you're um, you know, storytelling, of course, is just woven through everything that you do. That's what you're doing is sto- storytelling. Uh, have you ever participated in AIA's Architects Film Challenge? I have. I have. I actually have a, a pretty long history with it. I, I okay. won second place in the very first one. And then wow. they hired me to make one on the rural studio as a okay. kind of example film for season two. Um, then I had a submittal in season three, and now I'm being hired to do a project for the lookup challenge. A lot of school in Ojai that burned down and then was rebuilt um, for the one next year. So I've kind of been okay. off and on with the AIA challenge since it began, really. It's been a perfect fit. I can't tell you, Jeff, a number of people emailed me that. Jeff, check this out. <laughs> Look at this. You should submit this. You should do this. And, and I was like, I'm doing it. Don't worry. Uh, thank you. I'm doing it. I'm actually been hired by the AIA and I'm working with them. So yeah, no, it's, it's cool you bring that up. It's, it's been part of my, part of my regular yearly awards, middles and, and projects to work on. Very cool. Um, we, you know, we've, we've got this audience of, I would assume mainly architects. That's usually who we're talking to here on Context and Clarity Live and probably small firm architects at that. Um, one of the things that we've talked about in the different conversations this week is we can look at your work, right? We can go to breadtruckfilms.com and look at your work, and it's amazing. Um, and it's not likely or maybe even needed that any of us on on this side of the table need to achieve the level that that you're working at right in in videography but for those uh who do want to up their game uh, you know whether it's for social media or their youtube channel or whatever what what sort of advice do you have for an architect that um, wants just wants to do better uh with video yeah that's that's a good that's a great question you know a lot of People, everyone out in architects who want to have video coming across their feet, showing their people, listen to what they're doing, you know, instead of just a still photo. We want to have that. So, you know, what, what I've learned and what I've seen at most firms are most of the younger generation coming out of college at the young level, they'll all have a camera. They'll all have some experience. They may even have a drone. Almost every firm I've interacted with has someone like that, right? So... I would say, you know, embrace them. That's how I started. You know, I had a video camera at my first firm, you know, Johnson Siegel, 15 years ago. And they're like, start filming, Jeff. You're the only guy who can do it. So start doing it. So 
yeah, I, I would look to the younger generation who has this stuff. They just grew up with video. They know how to do it. Um, every market, every city you're in, there's going to be real estate videographers. You can type in wherever you live, real estate videography, Maine, real estate videography, you know, Indianapolis. You'll find a handful of people that film real estate for a living. They'll have drones, they'll have time lapses, they'll have insurance, they'll know how to do an interview. You know, pricing is going to be all over the place. You can find some young person just starting and it's a low amount. You can find a guy who's going to do a great job and make an awesome video and that's a higher amount. Um, so, yeah, I would say start with people in your firm. See if you can do that. You can do cell phone stuff, but it does have to be good and audio has to be good. You can't be on a job site and have some bulldozer going off and you're like, look at this, you know, grading we're doing. No one can hear you. People will click off. That's the thing. People's attention is very short. So... I would plan your content out a little bit before you start shooting. Think about what you want to say. Think about your audience too. A lot of architects had to make a video for themselves, but you know they're not hiring other architects. Aren't hiring another architect. You know, if it's a homeowner, then yeah, they may really care about having a peaceful, serene place to raise their family and build a custom home. So think about how how you know, or if you're doing something with the school and the classroom, you know, it's a publicly funded project. Think about what's going to be important to them. You know, don't sit and talk about the drawings, and the elevations, and sight lines, and, you know, the things that interest you. Think about, like, where are the kids, how the kids are going to have lunch. Talk about that, you know. What are the kids going to do after school? You know, is there an area for them? Is it shaded? Is it well-designed? Is it an afterthought? So think about your audience, number one. You can shoot stuff in-house, number two. Keep it short. People have an average of about two and a half minutes of attention span. If you're doing your own video, I'll keep it to 30, 60 seconds. I wouldn't go that long. And get good audio. It's essential to get good audio. If you want to do the interview inside a room so it's clean and clear and then film shots outside of the building and then blend them together so that the video is going on top of the audio, that's a great way to do it. Make sure you have good audio. You can buy a little mic on Amazon, $25. You stick it to your, to your chest here and you put it in the camera. Sure. This is all, all great tips. Looks like we've got a question from Sarah Lee. Yeah, Sarah Lee wants to know, because we just want to know how to do what you do. So really, she, <laughs> uh, she wants to know what software you'd recommend for video editing for those of us who don't do it. Yeah, so I use Adobe Premiere. I'm part of the Adobe Suite, which most architecture firms will have a little bit of experience with Photoshop and design for presentations, you know, Illustrator for awards and print stuff. Um, and they have a light version called Premiere Rush. You can do it on your phone and add stuff on your phone. I don't know how much it is. Um, it's supposed to be kind of like the iMovie, I think. Something simple, something someone can do on their phone or on a basic laptop. I would check out Premiere Rush or iMovie. That's a great suggestion. So, um, you know, you're, you're talking about, um, you've got the, uh, the, the range, I guess, the, the young person and the, the, uh, experienced person. And, you know, it's just like architecture, right? We're going to, there's going to be a wide range. How have you, as you've built your business over the years now, how, how have you grown it and how have you, um, maybe upped your client base and, and found your ideal client? Sure. Well, that's a, that's a, that's a, 
layered question, Jeff. We'd have to do a whole other podcast to, to, you know, answer all those questions and stuff. I started out just doing stuff for Jonathan Siegel in an office, not even getting paid. It was part of the salary. Yep. You know, here's a guy that's got a camera. That sounds cool. I just got a phone and it's got a screen on it. Now we're watching videos 10 years later. So, you know, yeah, I started early when it was just like, let's experiment with this stuff. And, you know, then I've continued to um, build a reputation through good videos. Um, luckily, I'm in a little niche. There's not a lot of people that do architectural videos. So in San Diego um, or Los Angeles, San Diego is where I live, Los Angeles is where I work. You know, I've built a reputation. People come to me. So a lot of my clients now have passed on word of mouth. Like, yeah, look at Jeff. Retro, this guy used to be an architect. That kind of gets my foot in the door all the time. Okay, yeah, we can trust him. You know, this, this guy's going to understand. Um, you know, they went to Berkeley. That stuff helps. Um, making good films. And then doing a whole lot of marketing. I really reach out. Because I have such a unique little niche in the world. No one's ever thinking, oh, I need a video. Let's hire an architectural videographer. I think about that with photography. Like, yeah, I know a couple of architectural photographers. I work with them at this other firm. This guy has taken some photos for us before. Let me call them. I need some photos for a competition. So I spend a lot of time meeting people, just having coffee, connecting, telling them what I do, doing doing things like this, podcasts, outreach, talking to the community, work with the AIA a ton. I work with San Diego Architectural Foundation a ton. I work with these different organizations where I could just meet people and tell them, hey, you know, I'm from your community. I'm from your world. I love making films. Something pops up in the next few years, you're going to think about me, you know, uh, just because it's a little niche thing. So it's been about, you know, 13 years. And, and my regular week, if you broke down my whole year, I spent about, I would say, 60% filming and setting up the deals and editing. And then almost 40%, I would say, networking, marketing, you know. I don't look at it as some big dirty job. Sometimes I go to a book signing and I buy a book from an architect I really like. Let's tell them a little bit about what I do. I go to a, a lecture and meet someone I went to school with 15 years. I email someone, I find someone on LinkedIn, you know, and say, hey, check me out, see this film. So I just got to kind of keep the an atmosphere of communication. That's what yeah. I call it. That's what yeah, I call it. That, that's led to a lot of conversation. That, that makes sense. That's, that's great. And, you know, you mentioned that maybe, um, you know, maybe right now somebody's first instinct is to talk about photography, but obviously video is, it's, it's not just a thing. I mean, it's taking over, right? So, um, obviously it, it's, it's going to grow into the future, but as you look from today further into the future, what do you see that future looking like in terms of video and technology and, um, where, where do you think all of this is headed, Espe especially from, from the professional point of view, from your point of view? It's a really good question, Jeff. That, that's definitely a question that's evolving. And the COVID and the pandemic has caused video to spike. You know, uh, just over the last year alone, I've done so many projects for award shows like San Diego's Orchids and Onions. We filmed the judges talking about the project instead of people in a, in a live space, so people can stream it virtually. The Monterey Design Conference, big conference in Northern California, international architects, we, they would send me video from their office and I would clip it together and made it, make it virtual. So I think when things are going virtual, video is gonna be the best way to communicate that stuff, whether it's a live event 
or something across the country where people can't get together or business travel has changed. We don't need to fly everyone together. We can do a conference online or we can spend an afternoon watching videos, learning from each other instead of all trying to get to, you know, Indianapolis or New York or something. So I think video is going to continue to grow. I think video is going to continue to grow when it comes to telling stories and connecting with people that are, that are living in different cities. I think photography is still going to be fundamental just because all the awards and all the competitions, all that stuff is all based on architectural photography. They do want a video a lot of times now, but they want to see the still images. And if you have a client, you have a meeting, you can show a video, which is awesome. But then you also want to have some very nice still images showing what you did, how you transformed this neighborhood or that. So I think photography is going to be still kind of maintain its, its, its high, level, high level of importance. But I think when it comes to business development, you want to show that human component, that's video. So, you know, if you, if, if, Let's just say a board of directors is doing an addition to the new museum in town. And they're going to interview, you know, four or five different architects that have done a lot of cultural buildings. So these guys all have done great schools and buildings, libraries, educational centers. Let's just, we'll interview them. And if one of them has a, a video and you're interviewing the families that are going to a museum and talking to we love coming here on the weekend. I'm a single mom. I bring my kids here. They have events. They have play space out front. You have a lot more excitement and energy around that than showing photos. So I think video is going to be really helpful for business development. You try to show a new potential client how your architecture can impact their audience, their client, right? So how you're designing for them. So I think that's going to be a big avenue. And then these international networking events are going to turn to video, you know, instead of flying around and meeting as much as we can handle. It'll be nice back to see. So I, th- I think it's writing itself right now, Jeff. I think the idea of where video can really help out is still writing writing the story and developing, but it's going to be huge. I always tell my kids we're at the very beginning of age video communication. You know, at one point, taking a photo was a brand new thing, right? You know, 100 years ago, it was only things a few people did. Now it's ubiquitous. You know, everyone's got a camera. Everyone's got a photo. Photos all around us all day. So I think video is going to continue to grow, continue to expand, because you have that human component, that human talking to a human through a screen. It's a lot more emotional and impactful. Right, right. Is uh, it's, it's taking the taking the human out of it is uh, is AI or VR or AR? Is that coming into your world at all? Not really. That's a little bit more based on three D modeling and designing mm-hmm. a building and then having clients visualize it before it's built so that's a little bit more in the actual architecture design studio where they're using vr and saying hey we'll build a 3d model put on the goggles and see what it looks like and then we'll make the changes um i haven't i haven't had a chance to to mix that into my work yet there hasn't been a request there hasn't been a need we will do a lot of videos for developers like way before the project's built, like a vision video. Here's the vision. Right. Here's the neighborhood. Here's the rendering. What's going to look like? Here's the impact. And here's some animations. We'll mix in beautiful animations. But the VR AI thing so far now is kind of a live in the moment. This is how we're designing processing instead of a communication marketing tool afterwards. Yeah, got it. It, it, um, it, it. I think that brings us all the way back to the, you know, what it says on your website about telling the story of the, the impact of design, right? The impact that the design makes on the community. That's, 
that's the thing that fascinates me about what you do is, yeah, we can, we can have beautiful photographs, beautiful still images of X building. And, and sure, we can put some, uh, somebody riding by on a bike or, you know, a dog or whatever into the image. But, but I think you have so much ability to tell that story so much better and, and really show you know, what, what this is doing in a community, what this is doing for, for clients, the people that live there, that work there. Um, I, I love, I love what you're, uh, what you're doing there. The, as we, uh, I know we're getting, um, I know we're getting close to the, uh, top of the hour here and, uh, we want to bring in some, some, uh, questions from the audience. So, uh, are you up for a speed round? I'm here. Let's okay. Do it. This is going to be hard because there are lots of questions. Okay, you ready? Okay. <laughs> All right. Fire. So, okay. So the, uh, if you could uh, go back in time, would you go to art college for architecture and then go to film industry again, or would you just skip architecture? You know, it's hard to say because I've created something totally unique and original now that is something I would never have foreseen. Mm. I think if I went back to college, with, like if I somehow got transported into a 21-year-old body and I mm. had my um, – had my brain that I have now, I think I'll go to film school and stay in the film industry just because the world of streaming content is booming. Mm. And I'm here in California. I'm here where it's at. It's a lot of money being made. Everyone's coming up with really cool shows. And this is the golden age of television. Netflix and Hulu and Disney are putting out stuff better than you see in the theater. These are beautiful, big budget, top star content. And there's a giant demand for it. So I think I would probably ride that wave. If I was 21 again and had my 45-year-old brain, I'd say, hey, go do that. That's that's buzzing. And I probably would have stayed clear of architecture. But I absolutely love what I'm doing. I love the world design. And the fact that I'm the only one doing it is so satisfying. So That is true. But if yeah. you... Okay, I don't, we're supposed to be doing speed round now, but I'm just saying that it's like different if suddenly you were 21 right now and have the, and then they're streaming a lot of stuff going on. Or if you could go back to being 21 knowing what you know now. So that's kind of different because that wouldn't right. be all the technology. That's okay. true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Cause back okay. when I graduated in 1994, it wasn't a big boom in film production and streaming like there is now. It wasn't no. this big it demand for content being a small boys club in Hollywood. Yeah. Working in mainstream now, you know, now it's open to everything. So. Yeah, you're right. Anyway. I'll think about that. Okay. Anyway, anyway, this is supposed to be fast. Okay. So, okay. do you need your website translated into Spanish? Uh, <laughs> thank you for that offer, but no, I okay. work primarily in the U.S. and it's all good. But thank you for that. I'm sure they got great filmmakers in Spain. <laughs> okay. Um, do you ever use your smartphone for shooting anything? I think you already answered that when you do like the. I know um, that's not my style, but once in a while, you know, we're using a, uh, we're doing a story about a fire that destroyed a school in Santa Barbara Hills, and I'm going to use cell phone footage that the school students took mm. three years ago to oh, wow. communicate that. So I'll use other people's cell phone footage if there's a dramatic plot line that I can apply it. To. Yeah. Do you have other interests that might spin out of this? A short answer, because we got. Oh, Jay, are you kidding me? I'm too busy. And the other interests? <laughs> How about sleeping? <laughs> Yeah. You know, I'm riding a big wave. A lot of people love video, and I built up a good reputation. I travel all over California, so I'm, I'm good with this right now. I just want to keep improving my craft okay. and telling awesome stories. All right, no more interest. We got it. Okay, so what's your favorite thing to do? Oh, I guess maybe. just sleep, either sleep or work. I hiking. should just answer that, too. Hiking. I love getting out to nature. So okay. me and the family owns Yosemite, and just nature clears my mind, and I, I think about my projects, and I come back fresh and clean. 
Nice. Okay. Who is your favorite architect as character? Oh, man, that's a tough one. There's so many characters out there. I mean, from Tadao Ando being a boxer and his early days in Japan, you know, delivering delivering stuff, you know, um, Frank Lloyd Wright with all his scandals and high highs no, and lows. You no, know, true, true. But I think we're thinking like Mike Brady type of fictional character. <laughs> yeah, it was just oh. a fictional character. You know, oh, fictional. should have, yes, yes. There are lots Although, of architects who are characters for sure. Yeah. It's yeah. hard to choose one. Well, let's think here. I mean, is an architect in a well-known film? Mm. <laughs> there's, there's a lot, but I have the benefit of having Googled this the other day. Yeah, we spent a lot of time talking about right, this. Tuesday. Yeah, yeah. Give me some names, Jeff, and I'll tell you. Uh, well, you had, Mike Brady. so you had Mike Brady. You had um, Woody Harrelson in Decent Woody Proposal. Harrelson. Just a half step up from Mike Brady. Yep. You had okay. Adam Sandler in Click. Oh, that's right. Uh, Charles Bronson in Death Wish, the, the original Death Wishes. Was it Paul Newman in um, Towering Inferno? Is that? Mm, yes. I don't know the film, but yeah, he's a great actor, so I would, yeah, yeah. I would say I'm going to watch that film and get back. All right, you're going to yeah. have to come back on again because we have a million more things we want to talk to you about <laughs> anyway, so you can think about that for next time. Um, do we have any other questions here? Here's, here's a good one. Here's a good one right here. How much film do you shoot for a five minute video? This is just a, uh, good, a good one. Okay, that's a good one. This is a good question because it explains the process. Uh, so, David, it's all over the board. Sometimes when I'm working with a nonprofit, it's a small budget. I film for an hour. I get two interviews. I film the building and I'm out in an hour or two and I have enough for a five minute film. Other projects where there's this grand story, I may film for three days. That's what I'm doing up in the Santa Barbara Mountains. We're going to spend three days filming students, teachers, architects about the school that was destroyed in the Thomas Fire and rebuilt and created a brand new community. So it's a deeper story. It needs more filming. If you want to get basic information across, you can get it done in a few hours or a half. That is a great question. And, um, <laughs> no, you know what? Costanza. There it is, man. This guy. There it is. There no, it's, Costanza. it's true. He's the best one. It. Yeah. Yeah. So Jay, um, Jay has volunteered to paint a cow, which I put up before on the screen, and he was disappointed that you did not go for it. And he wrote to I me like off idea, the backstage. Jay, do you live yeah. on a farm? Do you have access he does, to a he's, cow? Oh, yeah, he does. He's in Vermont, so he's, oh, okay. he, he, he'd be the one to paint cows for sure. Yeah, what a beautiful so. place. I'd love to film. Yeah. Well, well, you, you you've got to yeah, hook up with Jay there. He's up in... In the sticks of northern Vermont is how he describes it, but it is a beautiful area up there where he is. Yep. Definitely. Okay. Well, that's all of, That's all the questions I have for the speed round. That's, that's all of your your speed round questions? Well, all right. 4.59. So I thought you might want to say something else oh. before I just... <laughs> yeah, well, I'm glad, glad somebody's watching the time for us. Um, yeah, this is this is fascinating. And again, I, I uh, appreciate the work that you're, you're doing, Jeff. And, um, you know, I, I said at the beginning, one of the reasons that we have two topics this week uh, one, who's your favorite architect, this character, fictional character. And then tomorrow on our Context and Clarity conversation, we'll talk about who's your or, or what's your favorite architecture as so building or space or whatever mm. as character in literature, uh, TV or movie is that this is this is how the public this is where the public perception of who architects are and what architects do and what architecture worth a big A is so that's that's why we're covering 
um, those topics this week. But, you know, coming back to that statement that's on your website, you know, telling the story of the impact of design, I think that's so, so, so important. So I, I, I appreciate you doing that. I'm, I'm glad that, uh, that you've got your, your little nation that, um, that there's a lot of architects finding value in, in your work and you're able to tell the story, whether it's rural studio or, um, the, uh, organizations in San Diego or, or Jonathan Siegel, whoever it is. So, um, thanks for that. And thanks for coming on with us today. Oh, cool. Well, thank you guys. It was great to meet you, Jeff, almost a year ago or a year and a half ago. Great to get to connect like this again. This is awesome. Yeah. There's a little bit of trivia for everybody. Right as the pandemic began, uh, I started these, what for me was lunchtime conversations for Jeff. It was nine o'clock in the morning, I suppose. But, uh, um, and that kind of parallels the beginning of context and clarity, our context and clarity conversations back in early April. So um, that's almost exactly how long Jeff and I have known each other. So, uh, Jeff, again, I really appreciate you joining us. And uh, everybody in our, our audience, thank you uh, for showing up. Thanks for your questions and comments today. Thanks for making context and clarity a thing, because without you, uh, being a part of this community, we wouldn't be talking to Jeff Durkin today and learning about videography for uh, for architects. And for those of you listening on the podcast, thanks for listening. Appreciate you. Uh, be sure you tune in again for our uh, Context and Clarity backstage version because Catherine and I are going to go backstage here momentarily and we're going to talk about our biggest takeaways from this conversation and things that we learned and ways that we can apply uh, everything that Jeff talked about to our own businesses, to our own practices, et cetera. So uh, I think that's a fun, fun version of context and clarity as well. So this context and clarity backstage. But again, all of you, uh, thank you. Thank you for all of this. And Catherine, thanks as always for keeping the wheels on the bus and uh, and keeping a, an eye on the clock today. Yes, uh, appreciate that. <laughs> Absolutely. So awesome. again, everybody, thank you. Appreciate it. And uh, Jeff, thanks. And we'll see everybody. Um, I should I should talk about this next week for Context and Clarity Live. We will have uh, Patty Harris from Licensure. She's an attorney. She founded a her firm called Licensure, and she deals with, uh, as you can imagine, licensing, professional licensing across uh, all types of jurisdictions. So tune in next week, uh, Thursday, four p.m. Eastern on the uh, Entree Architect Community Facebook group, uh, the Entree Architect YouTube channel, Entree Architect Twitch stream, uh, on LinkedIn, on my profile, and apparently on Twitter now, on uh, my Twitter account. We'll see how that turned out today. I'll have to check that out. But uh, but join us next week, again, for Context and Clarity Live. Of course, we'll be uh, live tomorrow on uh, the Clubhouse app at 9 a.m. Eastern, talking about architecture as character. And then tomorrow afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern for our next Context and Clarity conversation. So, again, thanks, everybody. Appreciate all of you. And I hope I'll see you somewhere sometime soon. Bye, everybody. Okay. Well, there you have it. What did you think of that conversation? Hopefully, there was some big takeaway that will help you this week with your business. If there was, let me know. DM me on Instagram or on Twitter. You can find me on all the socials at Jeff underscore Eccles. So send me a message and let me know what your takeaway was. And if you want more conversations like this, 
subscribe to the Context and Clarity podcast, and leave us an honest review and rating. Those things really help us get the message out and help us help more architects just like you. Oh, and follow Context and Clarity on Instagram as well, so you can get a heads up on everything that's coming up. In our next episode, Catherine will join me again along with a special guest, or will it be guests from the Context and Clarity community, so we can break this conversation down. It will be Context and Clarity backstage, so to speak. So join us as we all share our biggest takeaways and look for ways to apply what we heard in today's conversation to our own businesses. And if you love content like this, check out Gable Media. It's a multimedia network for people that care about the built environment, and it's the home of Context and Clarity. With Gable's growing family of podcasts and video channels, I know that you'll find something there that interests you. You can learn more at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L media.com. And finally, if today's topic is of particular interest to you and you'd like to dig deeper into it, then join me over in the Entree Architect Community Facebook group. That's where every weekday at 4 p.m. Eastern, I host Context and Clarity Conversations. And we take these topics and we dig deeper. We have a conversation in real time to try to find more clarity around the things that matter most to you. So thanks for listening. I hope our time together has inspired you to think about your community, your practice, and how you can support those around you. Catherine and I will be back for our next episode. And in the meantime, I hope you'll join me and the Entree Architect community on Facebook today at 4 p.m. Eastern so that we can help each other find more clarity around the topics that matter most, no matter what your context may be. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? Yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that <laughs> then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long-term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like, us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh one that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success.